Good morning. Man, it's great to see everyone here this morning. Those who are present and those of you who are watching online, we're just glad that you're a part of our worship today. As you guys can see, we're beginning a new series on Habakkuk. And I want to begin by sharing with you a story. I, I can't really remember if I've shared this story with you guys or not. This month, I will have been here eight years. So I realize that you guys are probably going to hear several of my stories over and over and over again. But I can't remember if I've told this story or not. This actually took place several years ago when we lived in Alabama. And we were a part of a congregation there where the seniors would meet together once a month for lunch. And oftentimes they would invite me to go. And so one day I had an opportunity, I had a a free moment where I could go to lunch with them. And, and so we went to this all-you-could-eat country buffet, and we all went up to the buffet, got our plates, and me and one other lady by the name of Ruth got to the table first. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Of course you did. <laughs> but we got to the table first, and we sat down, and at our table they had the silverware wrapped in napkins. How many of you have ever seen that before? Okay, most of you have. And so anyway, I take the napkin and I start peeling it back to get out my silverware when all of a sudden a huge roach crawls out of my silverware and onto the table. And it proceeds to go to the center of the table, really towards Ruth because she was sitting across, toward, across from me, but once it got about the center of the table, it darted long way down the table. And I mean, I'm just, I'm sitting here watching all of this, and I'm just absolutely disgusted. And so finally, I look up to see Ruth's reaction, because I thought she'd be like, Oh no, you know, I can't, I can't stay here. You know, I thought she'd be jumping around. But rather, I look over at Ruth, and she looks at me, and she goes, Hmm. She says, well, that stuff happens, and she just starts eating. And I'm like, oh, no. I am not eating this. But I told you that story because Ruth, I think, makes a great point. Stuff happens, right? And some of that stuff is not always good stuff that happens in our lives. And when bad stuff happens, even as Christians we may have lots of questions. For example, how many of you have gone through something, maybe you're going through something right now, and you thought, God, why is this happening? Or maybe you thought, God, why is this happening to me? And maybe you even come to the conclusion that, you know, God, you just don't seem fair. You ever thought that? Well, we're going to see something similar with Habakkuk. In fact, look at verses 2 through 3. We'll just kind of begin there in chapter 1. Notice Habakkuk has some questions for God. He says, How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not what, church? You do not listen. Or I cry to you violence, but you do not what? You do not save. 
And he continues to question God. God, why do you make me look at injustice? God, why do you tolerate wrong? And maybe you've had similar questions. In fact, I would dare say that if we kind of fast-forwarded from the book of Habakkuk to today's day and time, I think we would see similar questions being asked today. Why is it, God, that evil people seem to prosper? Where you have good people who have bad things that happen to them. Or God, why is it that I work so hard and, and I'm honest and, and I'm, I'm really trying to be a good person? I mean, I'm, I'm kind to everyone at work, but I can't seem to move up the ladder. But over here is a guy who, man, he's lazy, he's dishonest, he's not kind at all, and yet he gets promoted. Or why is it that you have these people who get into all kinds of bad stuff and they end up living over a hundred years old where over here you've got this great, awesome Christian father who's 42 years old and he dies of cancer? God, why is it that when she prays, it's almost like you answer immediately, but when I pray, it doesn't seem like anything happens? Or, or God, why is it that I, I have all these headaches? Or God, why is it that I'm continually battling depression? And God, how come my loved one, my, my spouse, or, or my kids, or my, my parents are going through something as terrible as this? I mean, God, it, it seems like you could do something here, but you don't. And God, I, I just want to know why. I mean, God, you just don't seem fair. Ever had questions like that? Ever had thoughts like that? Habakkuk did. And some of you may be thinking, well, then he obviously wasn't a real deep committed believer like I am. No, he loved God very much. In fact, Habakkuk had a very, very rich faith. But he, like so many people started experiencing some bad things in his life, and the things that he saw didn't line up with what he believed in God. And so he started going through these difficult seasons. Let me share a couple of other things with you about Habakkuk before we really get into this. First of all, he was one of the twelve minor prophets... And of the twelve, we probably know less about him than any of the others. But what we do know was that at one point he was a temple musician. And then at some point he became a priest and a prophet. And some of you may be thinking, well, what exactly is a prophet? Well, a prophet is someone who speaks on behalf of God. God would say, listen, I want you to give this message to my people. And so Habakkuk, or, or the prophets, they, they would in turn give this message or share God's message with His people. 
And then also the book of Habakkuk was written around the year 600 B.C., give or take a little. They don't, they don't know exactly when it was written. But we do know that it was a time period where God's people were becoming very corrupt. During that day and time, there was violence and there was injustice. I, I mean, there was a lot of ungodliness. I mean, it, it was a lot like our world is today. You had bad people who were doing bad things to good people. And then you also had good people who were becoming not so good of people. They were falling into the corruption and so finally, God says to Habakkuk, I want you to tell my people, the people that I love, that they are becoming increasingly wicked, and basically, for their own good, I am going to punish them. And he said, here's the thing, Habakkuk. What you need to understand is I'm going to take a worse people. I'm going to take an even wickeder people and I'm going to use those people to carry out my punishment upon my people. And Habakkuk says, what? God, that doesn't seem very fair at all. You may want to write this down. Habakkuk's name means to embrace or to wrestle. And really, that's what we're going to see in this book is Habakkuk wrestling with God through some of these difficult times. And, and I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and warn you as you get into this particular book, listen, this is, this is not going to carry a sitcom message. How many of you remember watching sitcoms growing up? Some of my favorites were like The Brady Bunch. Any of you watched The Brady Bunch? Okay. Happy Days. Any of you saw Happy Days? I think me and you were the only ones who watched TV, Cindy. Uh, also, Silver Spoons. Uh, I mean, there are just all kinds of, of sitcoms growing up that I just loved. And, and here's the thing about sitcoms. Here, here's what I loved about sitcoms. You would have a little bit of humor mixed in with some tension in the plot, and then within 30 minutes, including commercials, everything would tie together perfectly, and at the close of every episode, everything would work out perfect. Everything would be good. And so at the end of every show, you'd just be like, oh man, that was awesome. That was great. Feels so good inside. Well, Habakkuk doesn't carry that kind of message. In fact, I think Habakkuk is more like real life today. Where you have some tension, you have some drama, and you have a whole lot of unanswered questions. And so let's just dive in. Verse 1, notice what he says the oracle that Habakkuk the prophet received. And, and just stop right there because that word oracle there in the Hebrew means a doom. It means a burden. In other words, this message that God has asked Habakkuk to share with his people is a dooming message. 
It is a burdensome message. And in fact, Habakkuk's like, listen, I do not want to share this with your people, God, because they are not going to like what I've got to say. And so Habakkuk kind of wrestles with God. He kind of pushes back on God. In fact, look at verse 3. He says, God, why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and, and conflict abounds. Today it would be like us saying, okay God, I, I don't get it. I mean, you have this drunk driver who hits this family and kills them. And yet here they are, they're, they're innocent. God, what do, you, what do you have to say for yourself? How could you let that happen? Or God, over here you have a woman who continually gets pregnant and she has abortion after abortion. I mean, she doesn't, she doesn't care anything about kids. And yet our family, we serve you and we've given our lives to you and we've tried time and time again to have a baby and we can't. God, what do you have to say for yourself? God, you, you have this individual who goes into a school or goes into a grocery store or goes into a concert with a gun and kills all kinds of innocent people. God, where are you in that? You see, this is basically what he's asking. Look at verse 4. Therefore, the law is paralyzed, he says to God, and justice never prevails. The wicked, him and the righteous, so that justice is perverted. In other words, as far as I can see, nothing is turning out fair, God. I mean, really, Habakkuk has three major problems with God. God, you don't seem to care. I mean, there's all these things going on in the world that, that you could put a stop to, but, but you, you just you don't seem to care. And God, you aren't doing much when you could. And, and really, there's some respect in this because Habakkuk is, is saying, listen, I believe that you are all powerful. I believe that you could. And, and if you would just make this change, man, what a difference it would make. But you're not. In other words, if I were in your shoes, God, I would do things differently. And then thirdly, God... What you're doing doesn't seem fair. Be honest this morning. How many of you have ever had thoughts like that? How many of, how many of you have ever thought, God, I don't like the way you're doing things. If I were in your place, I, I would do things differently. And the question is, is that even legal? Is God going to punish us for having those types of...
thoughts of, of saying, God, I, I just don't understand. God, this, this just doesn't seem fair. God, I'm just not sure I like this. Can, can we say that to God? It's kind of interesting as you go through the Scriptures, a lot of people did. I mean, you could start with David... One-third of David's psalms is David just pouring out his God, pouring his heart out to God, asking God, what is going on here? God, are you going to rescue me? Or are you just going to leave me here forever? Right now I'm in the book of Job, and man, Job went through so many terrible things. And as you get to Job chapter 7, verse 20, this is what he says to God. God, if I have sinned, what have I done to you, O watcher of all humanity? Why make me your target? Am I a burden to you? You ever had those types of questions? These godly people did too. God, I, I thought I did everything right. And now, well, I, I don't understand. What, what's going on? And I think so many are afraid to bring very sincere questions to God. In fact, I've, I've even had people tell me it's, it's wrong to wrestle with God. It's wrong to question God. But I would argue that sometimes that's a very important part of our faith journey. I think about an individual who doesn't even believe in God. And then someone shares their faith with them. They share with them the story of Jesus. God does something in them to the point to where they begin to believe. And they put on Christ in baptism. They become a child of God. They become a, a Christian. And man, God starts working in them and, and changing them. And, and man, big things start happening in their life. I mean, they, they go to, to worship and they hear a lesson and it's like, man, the, the preacher is speaking directly to me. And then they go off and they get in their car and they turn on the radio and, and man, it's their favorite song. It's like, oh man, God, you are so good. And then they drive to the grocery store and right when they pull up, right in the front is a parking space that never happens. And so they park up front and it's like, God, man, you are just really with me. And, and they start praying about things and, and those prayers are answered the way they want them to. And it's like, man, God, you are just awesome. And then over a period of time, they go to worship and it's like, whoa, man, the, the, the preacher gave a lesson today and it just, it just really didn't impact me today. And they go to the car and they turn on the radio and it's their favorite song. It's a song that they hate. In fact, that song kind of brings up some bad memories and it's like, well, that's, that's weird. God, what's... What's going on? And then they go to the grocery store, and man, there's the front row parking again. I knew I could count on you, God. And they start to pull in, and someone whips in first. And 
they start praying about certain things. And the exact opposite happens. And someone that they love and really care about gets sick or ends up in a car wreck and they don't recover. And they enter into a crisis of unbelief. I mean, God, I I was trusting you, but now based on what I see... It's very different than what I thought. And, and so, you know, God, I'm, I'm just not really sure what I believe about you now. You see, that's typically how a lot of people handle hard times that come, that come their way. Difficult seasons in their life, they go one of two directions. One, they get mad. Mad at God. God, I thought, but you're not. And so, you know what? Forget you. If this is how you're going to be, then you know what? You are not who I thought you were. And so you know what, God? I'm just, I'm done with you. And right now, right now that may be where some of you are at. You've, you've been hurt. Someone's done something to you. Someone's let you down. God didn't answer your prayer the way you wanted Him to. And so you said, you know what, I'm, I'm done. But the other direction that some people choose to take when they go through difficult times is, you know what, God, I'm still going to trust in you. I'm going to continue to live for you. One of my favorite examples of this would have to be in Daniel chapter 3, verses 16 through 18, where you have the story of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. You have King Nebuchadnezzar. And he he erects this golden statue and he tells everybody in the land, listen, when you hear the music, you are to hit the dirt, you are to bow down and you are to worship this gold statue. And so the music began to play and everyone began to bow down except for Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. And man, when the king heard about it, he was furious. And he says, listen, I'm just going to give you guys one more chance. When you hear the music play, you better hit the dirt. You better bow down and worship this image. Or you know what? I'm going to heat up the fiery furnace and I'm going to burn you alive. And the music played. And they didn't bow down. And man, that enraged Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, heat that thing seven times. It's normal heat. And I love what Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego say to the king. They say, oh king, we're not going to bow down to this golden image. We believe that our God will save us. But here's the thing. They said, you know what? Even if he doesn't save us, we're not going to bow down to that golden image. In other words, we're going to continue to trust God. And you remember the story, the king has Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego thrown into that fiery furnace. And even the guys who threw them in, they they get fried trying to put them in there. But Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, God protects them and, and everything is good. Listen, if you choose this path to continue trusting God in hard times, understand 
Things may not get better at first. In fact, things may get worse. You may even have more faith struggles, but if you will continue to stick with God no matter what He does around you, I can assure you that if you hold on to Him, at some point, He's going to take your faith to a place of intimacy, trust, and security that you have never, ever dreamed possible. And I know this because just about every person that I know who has a real intimate relationship with God has gone through difficult seasons. And as a minister, man, I would love nothing more than to be able in every situation to say, well, let me tell you what God is doing in your life. This is why He did this. That's why He took care of this over here. That's why, I mean, I would love to be able to come alongside of God and protect God and say, let me tell you why this is happening in your life. But the fact of the matter is I can't. In fact, God reminds me in Scripture in Isaiah 55, verses 8 through 9, He says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Slate, you are never going to be up here with me. You're never going to be able to explain why all this is taking place and why all this is happening in the world. there is something that we can know. James puts it like this in James 1, 2 through 4. He says, Brothers, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kind. Because you know that the testing of your faith does what, church? Develops perseverance. Did you realize you can have joy in trials? It doesn't mean you enjoy it that you would ever want it to happen again. But James says you can have joy even in the face of trials. And he tells you why. Because you know that when your faith is tested, God is doing something on the inside of you. He is finishing His work inside of you so that you can become mature and complete, not lacking anything. In other words, write this down. God may lovingly allow you to go through difficult seasons in your life because He's doing something in you that He couldn't do any other way. And that may be where some of you are at right now. You're in chapter 1 of Habakkuk, which is wondering, God, why is this happening? Why is this happening to to me, to to my people? What, What are you doing? And that can be a very important part of your faith journey. That was Habakkuk. God, what what are you doing? I don't understand. And now God is going to respond to Habakkuk. And really, he's not going to like what he hears. Look at verse 5. He says, Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. 
Notice what he says. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly, in the Hebrew, it's the word tamah, amazed, astonished, marveled. You're going to be blown away by what's fixing to take place. And this is it. He says in verse 9, I am going to raise up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people, who swept across the whole earth to, sw to seize dwelling places not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves. And they promote their own honor. Their horses are swifter than leopards. They're fiercer than wolves at dust. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen, they come from afar. They fly in like eagles swooping to devour. They all come bent on violence. Have you wrapped your mind around the story yet? Habakkuk, my people, have become wicked. But I'm going to tell you something that's probably going to upset you. I'm going to take an even more wicked people and I'm going to use them to punish my people. And Habakkuk doesn't understand. It just doesn't seem right. I mean, I know that our, our people are wicked, but I mean, we're, we're not near as bad as, as these people. And so God, what is the deal? And maybe that's where some of you are. You're, you're in the middle of chapter 1, wondering, God, what's going on? And I'm just going to go ahead and warn you, chapter 2 is not, not much better. Because chapter 2 is waiting and waiting and waiting. But in the time of, of wondering, it's a time where often we, we feel guilty and we're just not sure if it's okay to, to question and, and to go to God with these questions. But I really believe with all my heart that a deeply committed Christian can express simultaneous questions and faith. I think we see this in Mark chapter 9. You have this father who has a son who's demon-possessed. And his, his son is just being tortured by this demon. And, and finally, the father finds Jesus and he says, Jesus, if you can, would you heal my son? And Jesus says, wait a second, if I can... Nothing is impossible with me. Do you believe? And basically what the Father says is, well, sort of. And at one point I did. I prayed and I fasted and I took my son to all these doctors and they couldn't figure out what was going on. And so I took my son even to your disciples and, and they couldn't even cast the demon out. And he says to Jesus in verse 24, he says, I do believe. He says, but help me to overcome my doubt. And this is kind of where Habakkuk is. He's, he's, he's got faith, but he's got questions too. Just look at verses 12 through 14. Oh Lord, you, 
You are not, or, oh Lord, are, are not you from everlasting, my, my God, my Holy One. You may wipe me out and all my contemporaries, but my children and my children's children are people. We will come back. Notice the statement of faith there. And he goes on to say, O oh Lord, you have appointed them to execute judgment. O oh rock, you have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look at evil. There's another statement of faith. Now watch this. He's going to come back and he's going to hit God with questions. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent when the wicked swallow up those more righteous? In other words, God, I believe, but it's really difficult right now. And again, this, this may be where some of you are. Chapter 1, wondering, or chapter 2, waiting and waiting and, and, and waiting. But, but listen, as we get into chapter 3, if you will stick with God, you will come to a point that no matter what you see going on around you, you will worship Him. Because of His character. And because of who He is. But the question is, what do you do when you're still in chapter 1? And I think the answer to that is this. You Habakkuk, you, you embrace God. You hold on to Him. You may even wrestle, God, I, I don't understand, but you embrace Him. You never, ever let go because here's the thing, God will never let go of you. I assure you of that. This past week, one of our elders, Wayne Stoltz, said something that I thought was really profound and it just kind of stuck with me. He said, you know... Hard times, trouble, they're inevitable for everyone. Every, everyone goes through difficult seasons in their life. He says, but we all have a choice to make. We can either go through it alone or we can go through it with God. And I thought, man, that's pretty good. Embrace Him and never let go. And some of you may say, well, Slade, I, I hear what you're saying, but still, I mean, God just doesn't seem fair. I can't tell you how many people over the course of almost 25 years of ministry who have told me that. God just doesn't seem fair. And if you've ever thought that, I just want you to know I, I totally agree with you. God's not fair. And we've kind of talked about this over the last couple of weeks. But really, this is why the good news is the good news. Romans chapter 3, verse 23, For all have what? For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And because of that, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, we deserve what? We deserve death. And so if God were being fair, then guess what? Because of our sins, we should spend an eternity in hell without Him. Right? That's fair. But God is not fair. 
He says, you know what? He says, I'm going to send my one and my only son. And I'm going to put him in your place. He's going to die a cruel death by cross for your sins. And, and, and Jesus, now remember, Jesus was perfect. He committed no sin. He didn't do any wrong. And so how fair is it that God came down to this earth, lived the perfect life that we couldn't, and take our place? That's not fair. But He did it because He loves us. I don't know about you, but man, I'm so thankful that God is not fair. Let's pray. God, I just come before you. And I just want to say thank you so much for being an amazing God. You're truly worthy of our praise and our worship. And a life of service and, and so much more. Anything that we could give you. Not that you need it, but you deserve it. And we're just so thankful that you are an unfair God. That you give us what we need instead of what we deserve. Again, Father, we just we praise you. And we lift you up. And we pray this prayer in the power of Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have another song. I don't know where you are spiritually. Um, but I would encourage you to seek out God wherever you are. I'd love to tell you about Jesus and how He came to this earth, lived the perfect life, died for you and me, and paid the price for our sin. I'd love to build up your faith to the point to where, you know what? You said, God, I, I believe I'm ready to give you my life. I'm ready to put you on in baptism. I'm ready to, to live a life for you. And I, I know that, that that can be a process. And I would love to be able to encourage you through that process. And help you along and pray with you and help you to seek God. Or it may be that you've already made that decision. But maybe your faith has been wavering. And maybe it's because of the very thing that we've been talking about. There's all these questions. And again, I, I want to encourage you to sincerely take those questions to God. Lay those questions at His feet. Because let me tell you something about our God. He's big enough to handle it. And He already knows you're struggling with it. And He's the one who holds the answers. But we would love to encourage you and pray you pray you through that as well. 
again, at this time, we're, we're going to have a song, and then we're going to dismiss this morning after a word of prayer. But if you need to talk to me, if you want to talk to any of our elders about your relationship or seeking God, we'd love to encourage you and help you in whatever way we can.